Well, good morning, Steamtown Church. All right, all of you who uh, drove, drove, drove through like our, our 20th blizzard this, this season, right? It's awesome. Um, it's good to be here. It's good to be here this morning. If, uh, if you have a copy of the Bible, would you please turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Is the microphone kind of echoey? No, it's good. All right. Mark chapter uh, 4, as uh, we continue in, in a pretty awesome sermon series uh, in, the, in the book of Mark around the power of Christ to heal, like God wants to heal things in our lives. And so we, when we come to Mark chapter 4, it's where Jesus gives us a story. He gives us a, a, a parable. Some refer to it as the parable of the sower. Others call it the parable of the seed. Still others refer to it as the parable of the soil. So would you be so kind with me to stand as we read together God's word. We're going to be reading Mark chapter 4 from verse 3 to 8. This, this is the word of the Lord. Mark 4, 3 to 8. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Thank you. You may be seated. A, a, a recurring question I was, I was asking um, throughout this week as I was preparing my heart to hear God's word. And, and hopefully you don't just come to Steamtown with an unprepared heart. You come with an urgency, a desire to hear, not, not me, but a desire to hear from, from God's word. It's very important in today's age. And this, this recurring question that I kept asking myself this week is, do I have a heart to hear God's voice in my life? Do I have a heart, do you, do you have a heart to hear from God? See, we live in a day and age, as, as all, of, all of you know, that is just, it's filled with so much noise. Like, I couldn't even listen to Chase's Grace video because of the noise you know, on the video, but thankfully we got it, we got it shut down, got that, that taken care of. I mean, everything is noisy. Our heads are filled with so many voices vying for attention and influence. You got 24-7 news. I, I, you ever get tired of hearing these things from pastors? I'm just going to keep, I'm going I'm, I'm to keep beating them. Uh, if you're not into news, there's reality TV, um, are, like, we're confused. Our thoughts are in a, a, a constant disarray. Go to anyone's comment sections. Everything feels important. Everything. Every issue is, like, number one. We're busy, um, including myself, you know, spend a little bit too much time on my telephone, social media. I mean, net and binge watching I mean all of us are into that right it's become part of our daily routine Kenny Chesney I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Mr. Country Country Boy Kenny but he wrote this song Noise you, you guys know I'm like early 90s music right like alternative garage right but Kenny Chesney, Chesney wrote this song Noise how many of you know it Where's, where's the country folk here? It's disappointing. And I'm telling you, he, he captured our day and age. He said 24-hour television 
get so loud that no one listens. Sex and money, sex and money and politicians talk, talk, talk. Trapped in our phones and we can't make it stop, stop. All this noise, can't take the noise, can't take the noise, can't stand the noise, can't take the noise. I don't think anyone here could argue with me that our world, our day and age, our lives are not so incredibly busy and there's so much noise on top of that. And, and yet, like, we wonder why, as a people, we are so anxious and so worried and over-medicated and depressed and feel like our lives have very little meaning and we're irritable and we're insecure about everything. I mean, we're being bombarded with noise. I can't even go out in the woods and like a squirrel just won't give me a moment of peace. Like, click, 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 right? Like, I mean, it's like human sounds, I'm told, are found in almost every ecosystem on earth. And it's rare to find an area remote enough to avoid human sounds entirely. And so this, this recurring question, it doesn't mean anything unless you come to the table and you say, God, I have a heart to hear from you. Now listen, if you, like me this week, have been cultivating a, a heart to hear from heaven, this is what you got to do. Grow it up. To hear God's voice, you must turn down the world's volume. Because it's in stillness, it's in quietness, not busyness, that we tune our spiritual ears to hear the voice of God. And as we come to the parable of the sower, check out what Jesus says to each and every one of us. He says he begins with uh, one word in verse 3. Jesus says, listen, listen. Turn down the world's volume. Turn down the volume of your social media feeds. Turn it all down. He says, I want you to, to listen and, and to really listen to my voice. And, and, and this word here is uh, an imperative. It's a command. Like it's not an option if you're going to follow Jesus. It's a strong exhortation. It, it, it reminds me of in Isaiah where he, he, he says, wake up. Wake up. He says it twice. Look at verse 9. Jesus says, listen. And then in verse 9 he says, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Do you have ears to hear? So the parable of the sower is packaged between listen and hearing. And for those of you who know Old Testament history, this is a, a deliberate echo of Israel's Shema out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses says, hear O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So before we even get to this parable, there's a premise here built on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. If he's the Son of God, then he's worth following and his teachings are worth listening to. And we've got to put our yes on this table. God, I, I have a heart to hear your voice. Well, you got to turn down the world and you got to turn up the word. You follow? You got to turn down the world and you got to turn up the word. It's like a, like a psh, psh kind of basketball move, right? Crossover. In fact, Mark chapter 4 and verse one says that I would I would have loved to, to, to see this in a culture 
where people are just flocking to hear God's word. They were, they were so desperate to hear from heaven. Verse 1 says, the, the text reads, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. That's, that's such an awesome, I did a wedding once at an ocean. Beautiful, beautiful. Just a lake, but you know what I'm saying? You're outside. Jesus began to teach by the lake. Look at the size of the crowd. The crowd that gathered around him was so large. Like this wasn't like a little like puddle, right? This was a lake. So large that he had to get into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all, all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Verse 2 says, he, Jesus, taught them many things. Many things. But in verse 2, specifically, the text says, he taught them many things in par parables. Like, wow, what's, what's a parable? This is awesome. He taught them many things in, 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 in parables. And if you're like me, you're like, like, I went to seminary, I went to Bible college, and I'm still like, yeah, wow, parable. Like, what's a parable, right? It's like crazy. In, in the New Testament, I, I can't find a unified agreement here, but I'm told that Jesus taught up to 43 parables. 43. There's only 52 days in the life of Christ in the New Testament, and he taught 43 parables in the Gospels. I think it's the book of John that has no parables. So you'll find, every parable you'll find is in what's called the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke taught 43 parables. And in Mark chapter 4, this is not his first parable. This is actually his fourth parable, but it's the largest one. So in this like Christ, you know, power of Christ to heal series, this is the parable we're really going to look at. When it comes to this question, what's a parable? I wanted to find the, the, the simplest possible definition, and here it is, to put it simply. Parables compare something spiritual. Like this is deep stuff. Something deeply spiritual, like something we got to get, to something physical, to something earthly. Oftentimes in parables, you'll see that Jesus says several times, the kingdom of God is like a BMW, or the kingdom of God is like a mountain, like, he says a mustard seed, he says a pearl, he says a treasure, he's like, I'm going to take something so common that, that all of the common people will understand, and I'm going to apply something so deeply spiritual to it. One of the best definitions I've, I've come across, what is a parable, is from C.H. Dodd. As quoted in Snodgrass's Stories with Intent. Whoa. He says, quote, At its simplest, the parable is a metaphor or simile drawn from nature or common life, arresting the hearer by its vividness or strangeness and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt about its precise application to tease into active thought. End quote. Verse 2 says that Jesus taught them many things by parable, metaphor, simile. And in this teaching, the parable of the sower, look at verse 3. He says, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And verse 4 says, as he was scattering the seed across the field. And I got some, you know, like, like these, these farmers, like they would, you know, scat, they would scatter their seed. I got some seed in my pocket, right? I'm going to scatter it right here. Okay, that was a bad joke. Didn't work. Didn't work. I should have had a big bucket. I should have had Bob McMinn break seed for me. I should have threw it all over the place. <laughs> the farmer was scattering the seed. And, and what you have here is it says some of the seed fell along the path. Some on rocky places. Some, some among thorns. 
and some fell on the good soil. Now look, I'm, I, I am the first, even, don't, listen, don't be deceived by the flannel coat this morning. I'm not a farmer. I got no country. I have never lived in the country, ever. How many of you are from the country? There we go. But none of you knew Ken, you know, Kenny Chesney's song. Now, now I'm, I'm not a farmer, so I had to ask as I was wrestling with this text this morning. I'm like, what farmer scatters seed before they plow? You know, like I knew enough of that information. Just like it seems like, like haphazard, casual, like just throw, like throw the seed anywhere and like see where it. I mean, what kind of farming is that? And, and from what I understand, it was the kind of farming done in the ancient world. And I don't have time to explain it. If any of you have questions, like Google it, right? In the ancient world, we're, we're told this was common, that you, you scatter the seed first, and then you plow second. Verse 4 says, as he was scattering the seed spread style, some seed fell along the path. Okay, that would be like the sidewalk. And the birds came and ate it up. Verse 5 says, some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. The text says it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, verse 6, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Verse 7 says, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they produced no fruit, did not bear grain. Verse 8, now note this. So other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop. Now I'm told that a good harvest would produce tenfold. But verse 8 says that this harvest multiplied 30, some 60, some 100 times as much as what was planted. Then Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now this is the best part of this parable right here. Look at verse 10. It was like when he was alone, away from the, the lake, the 12 and the others around him were like, what? You see why it's hard to teach parables? Because they were like, what? And they were there. And like 20 centuries later, we're like, what? And we weren't there. You got to love the disciples, right? It's okay to be like, what? Duh. I don't know what's going on here. Parable stuff. It says the 12, and no, I think Mark is the only one that includes the phrase and the others in his accounting of this parable. It says the 12 and the others around him asked him about parables. They were like, whoever has ears to hear Jesus, well, we got ears, but we have no idea what you're talking about. We are as confused as freshmen on the first day of college. You know what I'm saying? Freshmen, first day of college. Like, look at verse 11. Jesus is like, you got to love Jesus, right? So gracious, so patient. He's like, let me, let, me, let me tell you the reason I'm speaking in parables. Verse 11 says, he, Jesus, told them. The secret of the kingdom of God. For those of you who want to do further study, that's like the book of Daniel. He's referencing the book of Daniel here. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, note that word outside, everything is said in parables. Jesus is like, listen, there's insiders and there's outsiders. And we need to remember the greater context of this parable of, is one of haters and one of opposition and one of those that want to, at this point, even though it's chapter 4 in the book of Mark, they already want to kill Jesus. The secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside who want to kill me who are accusing me a chapter earlier of casting out demons by the prince of demons. Listen, next Sunday, 
we're going to talk about demon possession and serious mental illness. But those on the outside, they were accusing Jesus of casting out demons by the prince of demons. He says, but those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that, look at verse 12, is a quote from Isaiah chapter 6. They may be ever hearing, but never perceiving. And ever hearing, but never is now standing. And what Jesus is saying is what was true in Isaiah's day is now true in his day. You can apply it to today's day and age that God's word was being rejected. Verse 12 says, otherwise they might turn and be forgiving. And I think what happened here in, in, those, in those words is he's linking the rejection of God's word to the unforgivable sin that we saw a chapter before called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Don't get lost in all that detail. Because here's the point. Jesus says to his disciples who don't get it, let me give you the reason I'm speaking in parable. It's twofold. Number one, to explain truth to some. You see that in Luke chapter 10. And in Mark chapter 4, to keep truth hidden from others. One commentator put it this way. Jesus explained that for those who have ears to hear, the parable provides a deeper understanding of Jesus' teaching. But for those who want nothing to do with him, the parable is actually an instrument of concealment. The parable was not given simply to make everything clear to people. It was also given to obscure meaning to those who are outside, who are not giving understanding. Now that might sound somewhat harsh, this two-edged sword. Jesus came not only to instruct and help people understand the kingdom of God, he also came as a judgment on those who don't want to hear the truth. And then Jesus kind of makes a move back toward his disciples in verse 3, and he says, judgment or truth, don't you understand this parable? And you can kind of detect, um, I mean, I'm, I'm reading into it, uh, throw up verse 13. Don't you understand this parable? A note of exasperation in this rhetorical question. I mean, he seems like he expects some level of comprehension. He then says, how then will you understand any parable? And, and, and once again, you can just see the disciples, like no matter how much Jesus is talking up until this point, they're as confused as a, dish, a fish in a dishwasher. They're swimming around, but, but they have no clue what's going on. Their heads are spinning. So Jesus, what he does, this is so cool, he, he, he hits the, the, the pause button. He, he rewinds. He backs up. And he says, okay, let me interpret the parable for you. Now, I, 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 wanted, I included something in my notes right here, and I want you to hear this, okay? The reason he interprets the parable for the disciples is because the difference between insiders and outsiders, you got to hear this. The difference between insiders and outsiders lies in this. Not that one understands the parables and the other doesn't but that the insider wants to know and wants to understand while the outsider could care less. Look at verse 14. Jesus says, let me break this down. The farmer sows the word. Now, what's, what's interesting here is that, that Jesus never gives us the identity of the farmer. So you have all of these conspiracy theories, right? Some think the farmer is God. Some think the farmer is, is Jesus himself. Some think the farmer um, is, is like all, all of the believers, okay? But in our text, he never, he never gives us the identity of the farmer. But here's what Jesus do, does. He gives us the identity 
of the seed that the farmer is throwing. And verse 14 says, the farmer is sowing the word. Every time the word of God comes into your life, it's a miracle. Nobody can explain how a seed can produce growth and life. It's a miracle every time you sit under God's word. And this farmer is just scattering the seed all over the place. The seed refers to not, not just the word of God, but the living word of God. So we have this picture of a farmer sowing this, this seed on soil. And he's, you know, he, Jesus is not trying to provide us practical gardening and farming tips to us, right? He's trying to get at such a deep spiritual message that we've got to hear. He says the seed is the word of God. I mean, that's, 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 that's like basically, that's like 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 to chapter 2 and verse 3. He says, the seed is the word of God, and, and, and the farmer, whether, whether God has directly brought you his word, whether Jesus has brought you his word, whether unbelievers has brought you his word, whether unbelievers has brought, it don't even matter. Maybe that's why he doesn't identify the farmer. The seed's going out. The word of God is going out. But Jesus is like, I got a parable and you got to listen up because, because it encounters opposition from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Jesus says, listen, listen, there, there's four types of soil. There's four types of heart conditions Four different reactions that you, you, that every single one of us, whether you're a believer or whether you're an unbeliever, every time the word of God comes into your life, there is four, he says, only four reactions to the word of God. He says, some seed falls along the path. Some falls on rocky places. Some among thorns, some on good soil. And then he says, he that has ears to hear, let them hear. There's four possible responses to the word of God in your life. Every, it doesn't matter what passage you come face to face with. Look at the first grouping. Verse 4 says, the seed was sown and the birds ate it. Mark 4.4, 4, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Case in point, okay, I'm from the Jersey Shore, so I'm going to show you a picture of a Jersey Shore seagull. Okay, that, there they are. Here's a seagull. In case you didn't know, seagulls are junior grade demons. Junior, junior grade demons. They destroy everything. They eat everything. Junior grade. One day my cousin and I were in, in, in Wildwood, New Jersey, and, and you got my, my cousin has a lot of flaws, just like us all, right? But one of his flaws is not making the perfect steak. He had the finest seasonings, medium rare, juicy, steak fries. You see where I'm going with this? And would you believe that a seagull swept down? And who would you guess the steak that he stole? I'm not going to tell you. But that's what birds do. They steal my cousin's steak while I eat mine. <laughs> They're thieves. And verse 4 says, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the soil was so hardened the birds came and ate it up. Now look at the interpretation in verse 15. Jesus says, some people are like that when they receive the word of God in their life. They're like seed along the path. Their hearts are just hard. 
One time I was talking to really one of, one of my favorite cops of all time, and she, she told me, she's like, Dennis, you know the problem with, with, with me is I have barbed wire around my heart. I'm so hardened. And I love her. And I'm not directly correlating this verse, but sometimes in her, in her honest moment, Jesus says some people are like that when they receive the word of God. Where the, look at verse 15, where the word is sown as soon as they hear it, like, like a bird. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in him. Now that is scary. I mean, do you notice here? As soon as they hear the word of God. Satan comes, and just like Alfred Hitchcock, the birds, Satan immediately comes and snatches and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Do you have ears to hear this morning? Do you? That's grouping number one. The parable continues. Look at the second response to God's word, the seed that fell on rocky places. Look at verse 5 and following. Verse 5 says, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. The text says it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, verse 6, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Now look at the interpretation in verse 16 and following. Jesus says, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word. And note, they receive it with joy. So, so, so these are like those of us that, that hear something from God's word. We have a dramatic conversion. I mean, we are super pumped. Whether it's salvation or whether we're learning something new as a believer from God's word, we just receive it with, with so much joy. Like, yes, that's God's design for sexuality. Like, yes, I need to change this in my life. Do all things without complaining. Like, yes, fear not. Like, you receive it with joy. You hear the word of God, you get really into it, super pumped. Like I'll be at church Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I'll be here every, I'm going, you go to Ollie's Outlet, you buy a brand new Bible. You know what I'm saying? Because they're like $4.99 there. Like I'll be at church every week to the day I die. I will give 50% of my money. I will talk about the things of God. You know what I'm saying? They hear the word, rocky place. At once they receive it with joy, but verse 17, it says, look, this, since they have no root, since they didn't root themselves down with the word of God, they only last for a short time. It's like, it's like, you know, I'm talking about, it's like they're gone. They disappeared. People would be like, where'd they go? grouping number two, do you have ears to hear? The parable continues. Look at verse seven and following. This is grouping number three. The seed was sown and the weeds choked it. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Now look at the interpretation in verse 18 and following. Our text reads, still others like seeds sown among thorns. Hear the word. They receive it, but look at verse 19. I mean, I mean, tell me all of us can't, can't apply this one to our lives. The text says, but the worries of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things, which only Mark includes that. Matthew and Luke does not include that phrase. Only Mark, the desire of other things come in and choke us out, choke the word, making it unfruitful. You know, I talked about earlier the noises, but there's also distractions, worries, deceit, desires. I mean, how many of us hear the word? Like, you're here today. You hear the word. But then the cares of the world, the worries of the world, 
choke you out. Yeah, I, I, I had a good friend um, this week call me. And he was weeping on the phone. I said, get over here immediately. Get over here immediately. I mean, do you, do you know how much burden? I feel like we're, we're Atlas carrying the world on our, on our shoulders. How many of us hear the word, but then, but then the worries of the world and the cares of the world and materialism and, 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 and all of these things just come into our lives. Think of all the distractions. We got money. I can't believe America is the number one exporter of pornography. Like seriously, if you want to have a good marriage and you want to have intimacy with your wife, get off the pornography. I mean, all the craziness. Like seriously, number one export in our country is, is porn. All the distractions, money and fame and lust and, and whatever, the, these things that, that keep us from hearing from God and the deceitfulness of wealth, which is a lie. Hear the word, but the worries of the life creep in. Our careers, our stuff. Our politics, I mean, come on, right? Preach it, right? <laughs> Our money. Hear the word, but the cares of this world choke the word of God right out of our lives. You know the thing about a weed? I mean, I'm not an expert on weed either way. I'm not an expert on marijuana or the weeds we've heard to hear. <laughs> but a weed doesn't, like, lunge over. It doesn't pop out of the ground, like, choke the plant out immediately, right? It's not like, psh, 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 knock it down. Like a weed, it's like a choking out a flower is a slow process, right? It's a slow fade, a slow death. And the only thing I could ask is just like Christ had, do you have ears to hear? The parable continues, look at verse 8, look at the final grouping. Verse 8 says, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Now look at the interpretation in verse 20. Others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So this is like super cool because the parable ends on such a positive note. Like the softer your heart the more powerfully you'll, you'll feel God's word in your life. According to one commentator, in summary, the good hearers welcome the word immediately so that Satan cannot swatch, snatch it away. They welcome it deeply so that persecution, because of it, cannot induce them to apostatize. And they welcome it exclusively so that other concerns do not stifle it. That's grouping number four. Do you have ears to hear? Now, today's passage is super convicting for me personally. Like, th this has been a study this week that has been very challenging, super convicting. And I believe that this passage as a whole applies to unbelievers. And I believe that this passage applies to believers. See, if, 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 if you're an unbeliever, like you have never genuinely and truly received Jesus Christ as your Savior, this parable is super scary to think about. I mean, every year, millions of people make professions of faith in Christ. Christianity Today reported um, last year, 2020, during the pandemic, that coronavirus searches led millions to hear about Jesus. And we're told that tens of thousands of people clicked the button, they clicked on the button to pray for salvation since the outbreak. In 2015, Billy Graham celebrated 6 million online, for, that was 2015, Six million online professions of faith. I mean, every year. Thousands, millions, I believe. Right? 
I believe. And, 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 and you know what we learn for, for, for the unbeliever in the parable of the sower is we learn that, number one, in, in the first soil, that some people want nothing to do with the gospel at all. Like their hearts are so hardened. And if you could hear me, if you're tempted that way, if you could hear me this morning, do not harden your heart. They're so hardened that the devil comes immediately and snatches the seed of God's word. For the unbeliever in the parable of the sower, we learn that some people are, are toying with the gospel. Toying with the gospel. That's the, the second soil. In the parable of the sower, we learn that some people have become intoxicated by the cares of this life. And two, and, and the fourth soil is, is the soil that has a heart to receive Christ. And so, so I have to ask the question, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, what type of soil are you? If you're a believer, it's, it's like a different kind of scary. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not, it's not the same kind of scary as the unbeliever. I think about my own life, right, as a believer. And I'm like, I'm like, what areas have I hardened my heart? So if you could locate those areas, and it's usually areas you complain about. So if you want to know where you harden your heart, look at where you complained about. And if you want to heal, Christ the power you know, to heal, you have to recognize where you've hardened your heart. And sometimes I'm like, God, like I want to know where I've hardened my heart. What am I anxious about? What am I fearful about? What am I complaining about that none of my friends are tired of listening to me? I'm like, God, what areas have I hardened my heart? In what ways am I toying with the gospel? In what ways am I becoming intoxicated by the worries and cares of the world? Don't act like believers don't struggle with that. Don't act like you can't relate to this. And so we have to ask the same question as the unbeliever. What type of soil are we? And then you got to break it down. Overall, God's word, everyone's like, oh yeah, I got the good soil there. But let's get to specifics. Where it gets hard. And to the believer, I say, beware of hardening your hearts. Beware of casual Christianity, carnal Christianity, because God wants you to have a full life. A full life. Now, I made a note here because I wanted to make sure I said it. It's like a side note. It, I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation, right? I'm not trying, okay? Because I want to remind you that salvation is not a fruit-bearing experience. You are not saved by your fruit. You're not saved by your works. All we're called to do is to believe in Jesus Christ, whether we bear fruit or not. So I want to make that clear. But Christ wants us to have a full life. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the fullest. Now, if you're, if you're like me, uh, and you start to apply the parable of, of the sower, you want to know the exact spiritual condition of each soil. Like which soils are saved people and which soil are unsaved people. And what I'm saying is you can apply all four types of people to both the categories, unsaved and saved. But if you're like me, you still want to draw a line in the sand. You know, soil number one, they're definitely going to hell. Soil number four, where are they going? Yeah, they're definitely going to heaven. Soil number two and three, even though I don't believe in purgatory, who knows where they're at. You know why I don't believe in purgatory? Because Hebrews 1.3 says Christ by himself purged our sin. So if he did something by himself, why do I got to purgatory my sin? So soil two, two or three, they may or they may not be saved. So in the parable, 75% are lost, 25%. Folks, that's not the purpose of parables. And plus, half of you hate allegorical interpretation anyhow. See, in the parable of the sower, it's not about saved, unsaved. It's about, listen, what kind of soil are you? When you hear God's word, 
when you hear the gospel, and don't act like the gospel don't apply as much for the believer as the unbeliever, when you hear what Jesus has done for you by dying on the cross, what the parable of the sower is getting at is when you hear God's word, what is the condition of your heart? Like, do you believe? Do you have a soft heart for the things of God? A soft heart for the word of God. Because in the parable of the soil, one thing we know, we know for sure is that only one soil bears fruit. Only one soil, only one, one, uno, not dos, not trace, one, not quattro. One soil, one soil, only one hears the word, accepts it, and produces a crop. In the parable of the sower, only one soil is incredibly responsive. Like, you can't wait to hear God's word. Like, you get up on a Sunday morning, I know it doesn't work this way, but you're like, I can't wait to hear what God wants to say to my life and to my heart. There's an urgency. There's a desire. The, the, the soil that is incredibly responsive. Because this is why. Because all of us are hurting. And all of us are looking for truth. And all of us are looking for the same answers. That's why often they say, what a pastor is, what's a pastor? You work one hour a week. Here's what a pastor does. He's one beggar who tells another beggar where he thinks the bread might be. And then when they find it together, they eat. It's awesome. It's awesome to be a pastor. For those that jab me with the one hour thing, I'm like, yeah, you know, the pastors you know, just take care of people from life to, you know, de birth to death. That's what we do. 24-7. That's why you got to go easy on your pastors. The only reason I'm saying this is because of the online thing. I'm not trying to, but go easy on me. You know what I'm saying? Because we're hurting, including myself, hurting, looking for answers. I'm telling you, every time you hear the word, accept it, it will produce a crop. Every single time you hear it and you take it to heart and you apply it. If you want to be one of those people that bears fruit, it comes down to this. Listen, it comes down to how you hear the word of God. That's what this parable is saying. How you listen to God's word, how you respond to God's word. And he's given us freedom of the will. So however you define free will, I mean, there's arguments and debates, but however you define it, it's got to be big enough to where you can decide what kind of soil you will be, if you will be a fruit-bearing Christian or not. And Jesus is like, listen, continue hearing and continue believing and continue listening because I am the Son of God, the Messiah. We must determine to hear God's words and put them into practice because that is how we grow. And this is my heart's desire. I desire to be the kind of person who knows that what God's word has to say about my life and my future and my career and my goings and comings is far more valuable than the words or opinions of anybody else. Anybody. Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. You know, I'm thinking of like a, a practical application of this. I wrote this down. The best way hear the voice of God is to study the Bible and then go into listen intently. To study the Bible and then go into listen in prayer. You know, many times we approach prayer as simply us getting everything we want to tell God off, off of our hearts. But, but to stay in the, to read scripture and then to stay in the presence of God and say, God, I desire to hear your voice. I can't think of anything more demonstrative that you are turning down the volume of the world than getting alone with the word and 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 having a, a an ear to hear from God I know there's seasons of silence but I know that the heart of a father is he wants to speak to his kids and so that's one practical thing and, and one of the things I've been doing in my marriage is I I, I you know I started folding laundry. Any guys with me? You know what I'm saying? I did, I did it because I, I want Kelly to have more time, more space to get into the word of God, to hear from God. 
You know, and so I just want to challenge you husbands, you wives, like make sure your, your spouses have that time to get to, to hear from God. If we cannot hear God speaking, then maybe we've become too preoccupied with our own voice. As Jesus was concluded the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. See, God's voice calms, comforts, convicts, encourages, enlightens, leads, reassures, builds. The voice of the world obsesses, worries, condemns, discourages, confuses, pushes, and frightens. It is my desire and prayer, if you have received Christ as your Savior, that you will commit yourself to hear and apply God's word. Get your roots deep into the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then you will bring forth fruit that remains and have lasting change in your life. It is also my desire and prayer, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day. If you are too occupied listening to the voice within you screaming how inadequate or how unlovable you are, how worthless you are, how you're not enough, not as successful as you should be, who could possibly love you? You won't be able to hear God's voice whispering how much he loves you, how valuable you are, how you are enough, how he has plans for you, and how he loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. Why would you not accept him? as your Savior. The only hindrances that I, I see to that in hearing the voice of God is bad teaching, fear, doubt, pride, distractions, shame, or bad theology. What is God speaking to you this morning? I wrote down three things that he's been challenging me in my life. One is mediocrity. I'm getting used to these, these, these respectable things, these, these sins in my life, and I'm making little or no progress in those areas of my life. Uh, my past, the memory of, of so many things can, can, can make you feel guilty or feel unworthy of a relationship with God. And I'm also uh, co complaining. When we complain to God for everything that goes wrong in our lives, in those areas of my life, I'm trying to hear God more. I'm trying to get into God's word and address those issues. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. God, thank you so much. God, for your word. And I pray this morning, Lord, that your word would speak to our lives. We ask this in Jesus.